This podcast is sponsored by Gravity Fit. We all want to swing it like a tour pro, right? So we're working on our golf swings. We're trying to improve our contact and directional control. And I'll say one of the biggest things, caveat there, is while reducing pain and discomfort caused by poor movement in the golf swing. And around here, we like things like science-based, tour-proven, simple-to-use. Gravity Fit checks those boxes. If you haven't tried it out, it's feedback training equipment that can help you with your golf swing, your posture, spine, and joint health. I actually have it in my office and use it daily just to help me bring awareness to my posture and avoid back and neck pain while sitting working for long periods of time. I know that that might seem strange here, but it's been super helpful. And then I take it to the range and help train my setup and movement patterns while doing some practice there. Can't recommend this enough. Like I said, it's in my office. I use it on a regular basis. Learn more at gravityfit.com slash golf. Use the coupon code GSL. Gravity Fit, stronger, longer, sweeter. You are listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker, and I'm on a mission to figure out how to improve the way that we learn and get better at golf. I've been able to travel all over the world talking with leaders in the industry, from instructors to researchers to golfers themselves, learning how they're getting better at golf and what that means for you. Today, Will Wilcox. You might recognize him by an open stance, an aggressive swing, his longer hair, making a hole on the Island Green 17 at the players and going nuts. He's 32 now and has been on quite the journey over the years. There's a lot that we can learn. And today, we're going to look at what propelled him to being able to play pro golf for the past 11 years. There's a lot in here, and I can't wait to unpack it with you all. Here's our outline. Part one, the younger years, playing golf, getting good. Part two, a break. Part three, grinding, competing, and winning. Part four, another break. Part five, the turnaround. Part six, present day, and we'll wrap with the golf swing. You ready? Let's get to it. My mom was a, a teaching pro and uh, she just got me a set of clubs when I was like six or something. So I just basically rode with her to work every day. I mean, it, it worked out really well for me. I mean, we didn't have to like, you know, find a course or anything. Mom just was having to go there every day. So I just uh, hopped in the car with her. Multiple summers, I logged uh, how many holes I would play, and I mean it was it was minimum 27 a day. It was you know I remember I'd play 54 holes in a day. Of course, it was only 6,200 yards, and I was walking. I wish I would have been wearing sunscreen at the time. I'm suffering from that, but yeah, I mean I was just golf, golf, golf. I mean I just played all day long. I didn't have like I said, I didn't have anything else to do really in the summer. But from the age of you know probably. Uh, 11, 12 on. I didn't miss a day in the summer unless it was raining. So it was mostly just logging thousands of holes of golf. Were you by yourself with friends? Like what was what was that like? I got lucky. There was, I mean, now the course that I grew up on is closed, but for some reason, you know, in the 90s, golf was still booming in that town. I guess most places it was. And then by the late 2000s, it, you know, everything was starting to fall off. And so especially in Alabama, States like that got crushed by the recession, so that course was closed. But while I was younger, it was still going off, and I had kids that were two, three years older than me that were good players, and you know we had probably six or seven juniors or, or more um, in this little and at this small course, small town. So I got lucky. If I would have been, you know, six, eight years younger, 
then I don't think I would have been able to cultivate the golf talent that I was able to. Uh, I just kind of got lucky in the area I grew up, the courses being open um, because now they are not. So golf was no doubt his passion. He's playing all the time. He's out on the course every day with friends, competing, having fun, and even trumped getting a car. And he was just a little golf nerd, as he said. When I turned 16, like, I figured that would slow me down. I mean, I was still having, like, a good time with my friends, but, you know, getting a car and, uh, I mean, I was such a late bloomer that I was just able to focus on golf. And, I mean, I was still chasing girls around a little bit, but if you're, you know, five foot two, 89 pounds, you're not exactly the most appealing one. So, <laughs> um, so it was golf. I was just, just a little golf nerd. I was scratched by the time I was 15, you know, shooting in the sixties. And, you know, by the time I was, I mean, I, and I think when I was 16, I shot seven under on nine holes in one of those nine hole matches. And the kid I was playing against shot 55 or something. So I shot like, you know, 29 and he shot 55 and that was on my home course. So a huge key that we're going to hear all the time during our series, talking with tour pros is these themes of access to a golf course, support and encouragement from parents. And Will had that, his mom being the club pro. He had access to golf and he had the support and encouragement to get out and golf. Another thing that we talk about and that we see is this idea of multi-sport athletes coming to golf, not going through this route of early specialization and the importance of that. And now this is interesting from Will because how he's going to describe it here is a little different, but listen in and see if you can catch how this all works. I was too small, like, the good thing with me was that I was so little that I couldn't play like football or, I mean, I was all right at baseball until a certain age and I couldn't compete physically at the other sports. So golf was kind of the only thing that I was, you know, could separate myself a little bit. So it became pretty easy to figure that out. I think that's something that other kids that develop a little quicker, you know, obviously they want to, it's a lot cooler to play football or baseball or basketball. But for me, it was a no-brainer. So that's that's the reason I was able to put in like a lot of extra time. Whereas other kids, you know, they would be uh, be a three-sport athlete through their like fit, you know sophomore junior year. I was a one-sport athlete starting at twelve, so it was like you know I had a good six years to grind, grind, grind. So you see that as an advantage for you then against all the other kids you're competing out there with? Yeah, I mean, just having the not having the physical skill. I mean, I mean, I had I had the physical skill, not having the. Uh, the physical size uh, was, was massive because it just, you know, that pushes you. It's kind of like an Allen Iverson type mentality. And then I and I always knew I was like, once I get taller and, and bigger, this all is going to, this, all this practice as a little kid is going to work. And, and it did. And I, I was, once I hit like five foot eight, nine, you know, once I became somewhat normal size male, I started bombing it. And uh, now I don't bomb it like I did when I first turned pro, but yeah, I think being focused on golf from a young age is is pretty key. You don't see a lot of people picking it up in high school and you know becoming really good. So he actually credits playing one sport as an advantage. Here's the interesting thing. 
he still mentioned that he played other sports up until 12 to 13, where his peers carried on with multiple sports even past that. And that's almost kind of changed nowadays where, where kids are early specializing, even earlier than that. And we're talking about like the six, seven, eight year old range. So he played a, a ton of golf. He had a ton of access to the course and logged a ton of holes. And so it's an advantage maybe that he got in more good reps, competitive rounds, quality practice that others didn't because he mentioned he was playing with kids that are a little bit older than him, maybe a little bit better than him. And so he saw a lot of benefits there. You know, his mom was the pro at the club. So you might be thinking, did he get a ton of swing instruction? Was that the secret here where he was able to separate himself? Here's what he remembers. It was always just feels and, you know, she's just like, oh, you're taking it back too quick or, I mean, I don't recall much regimented like, you know, go get your 100 chips in or make sure you hit your 53 footers or anything like that. I pretty much just did it on my own. As far as I can remember, I mean, she was giving lessons and and running the club. I mean, she was a good player in her own right. She played at Auburn, but she was just, uh, I just learned it as I went and just tried different things. And I wouldn't say I'm totally self-taught, but it's about 50-50. I know I never paid for a lesson until I was, you know, just getting out of college. So it wasn't necessarily grinding it out on the driving range with a bunch of instruction, working on golf swing technique. He talks about playing, competing as much as possible. And he had a specific motivator back in those early days that kept him going and improving. Well, I mean, my dad was always like, if you get a full scholarship, we'll get you a car. So like, when I did get a full ride, so they got me a decent little car, which I promptly destroyed. But, um, but yeah, like uh, my dad got me a Mini Cooper, which is what I wanted then for some reason. And, um, yeah, it gave me all the motivation in the world. I mean, when I started shooting in the mid-60s and, you know, winning, club champion, winning the club championship, and I know, just then, like, no matter what the event, the event was, it was just like, it felt like the Masters even if it was just playing against the old men at the club for the club championship. So, yeah, I mean, I've always been. And then I, then I got in a little trouble when I was at UAB. And then the the real grind that I think put me into the upper echelon of, you know, having a good chance to make money doing it was in college. That That's when I hit, the, hit so many golf balls. And uh, that's when the practice really went through the roof. Was it about 20, 21? The ages of 18 and 19 were a little turbulent. And, uh, but yeah, for the most part, you got to at some point go through a 18 month period where you're hitting balls until you're like hands bleed. I, I believe that for sure. Cool part here is he accomplished that goal. He got the scholarship at one of the biggest schools in the area, got to play at the huge D1 school of UAB. That was amazing. However, we have a, a quick problem in the story. He ended up getting kicked out of the program, had a rough time during this period, went away from golf. And this next stage, after the growth of the early years, is the break. I tried to get in the Navy in 2005 after UAB kicked me out. They didn't let me in there <laughs> because I had like a pending DUI. But then I, uh, yeah, I was working as a prep cook in the back of some restaurant in Auburn. And uh, it was just like, this is the worst thing ever. And then I, did, I worked in a, like a factory in the summer or a uh, paper mill. And yeah, I mean, you just look at yourself in the mirror and you're just like, I didn't think I was wanted by anybody. Having those down years, 
just made me realize how sweet it was to be able to play golf and I mean you know a bad day golf is better than a whatever a decent day at work apparently that's what some say I mean since since I'm, I'm you know I've been on the web the last two years and you know sometimes you you sulk a little bit but in the end being able to do what you love is is obviously a, a special thing so but when I got my butt kicked around after uh, my mess up at my first college yeah, that motivated me like crazy. And then when I got another good ride to the Division II school in Atlanta, that was just like reaffirmation that I was wanted. And then that gave me the ability to be able to practice for free again. And then, yeah, so it just kind of rolled from there. So obviously, it's not all roses and fun times on the path to playing pro golf for a living. Eventually, the head coach of Clayton State University got wind of Will and gave him another chance. And he took full advantage of this. And in fact, the first thing that he had access to now was a range, a private practice facility and an environment that he could work hard in. The next stage is the grind. Nobody else was doing it. And I have a homemade swing. And, you know, now I just just having access to the balls, you know, even now as like a pro, I, I don't have access to as good uh, as private and as good as a range as I did in college, just because I live in Jupiter and I'm not a member at medalist or uh, or bears club. I've done okay for myself, but I ain't trying to spend 40 grand a year just to have a decent range. But, uh, and course, but, uh, that stretch just proved to me that I, you know, had the physical ability to stand there and, and do it like my hands would give out before my body would give out. I mean, my, my body never gave out, but it just, it just proved to me how much harder I was working than everybody. And I just tried to put in those eight, nine hour days, you know, it's like, as you're leading up to your, you know, mentally, you have to think going into your first pro event, man, I really, I really have worked hard. I mean, you know, cause you're, once you turn pro, you know, that's you're, you're pro there for a while, at least a couple of years, at least you have to take that, status because you can't just get your amateur status right back if you accept a check. But yeah, I just, I did the reason I had all those balls is just cause I was like, this is the method that I'm choosing. And, and I ended up working out. I mean, I, I, uh, won three straight events my senior year at Clayton state, which wasn't too big of a deal at the division two level, but you know, it mattered to me. And, um, I think the hitting of the balls is huge. Now I prefer to just play because of wear and tear on my body, but seems like I might need to get back to hitting balls. I just, uh, I know so much more about the game now and uh, the mechanical thoughts creep in. Back then it was just, it was just press and go. And I, and I just, I, I was hitting about a thousand balls a day for, you know, at least, at least a year. You know, like I say, maybe the weather got bad and I missed a day or two, but I think the, the grinding on the, between the ages of 18 and 21, if you want to turn pro is, is the only option. Working shots, just trying to hit shots, and mostly just like convincing myself that the muscle memory was the most important part. So I just wanted to get it to where I could not have to think once the competition rolled around. And sometimes the the sessions went great, and sometimes they didn't. But uh, there was even a light on the end of the range. I'd hit balls at night. You know, I just loved hitting balls. And uh, to be honest, I, I never, I didn't practice my putting a ton because that came so naturally. Now my putting is like I'm using an arm leaner and it looks like I'm, you know, trying to unfold a lawn chair when I'm putting. But, 
yeah, I uh, I need to I need to get a little bit more of that college will attitude in me. But as a pro, it's a little different, especially if you're bouncing around from town to town. They don't really want you tearing up their range. So we've talked a bit about block and random practice in the past. Block being where you hit the same shot at the same target over and over. And the fear here is of potentially losing engagement in the act that we're doing because golf is a problem-solving activity. You need to stay engaged. You have to go through all the steps in solving that problem during your practice. Random practice is this idea that we're changing something between shots that demand you to think to stay engaged, to not mindlessly rake and hit. And now, a brief pass over what Will talks about, you might imagine he's breaking this concept and the research that backs it. Well, we dug a little deeper because I had to ask, I had to figure this out, what was going on in his mind while he was hitting all of those shots? That was more like ignorance is bliss, ball hitting. I just, I love doing it. I, lo- I loved hitting yeah. the balls. I loved the reaction I got from the car boys. They always were like, man, you're always here. You know, I just, I loved the the envy that my teammates had. It was kind of just a right, it was just like, well, I know practice starts at one, but I'm going to get there at nine and I'm going to hit balls until one and then we're going to tee off. And, you know, sh- sure, I had to quit class and make straight Fs. But, you know, it was still like I, I used that last semester to just become a golf freak. I mean, I was still having fun at night and doing my thing, but, you know, at 21 years old, you can handle that. And, uh, I just love to do it. I, I just love to hit balls. And I love to hit balls until my hands were literally dripping with blood. I mean, just because cause it was cold and windy, so that it was cracking. And it's not like I'm a savage. But it's like, it's just that I, I really loved to show my girlfriend how bloody my hands were. And I'd be like, see, because she was a hater at the time. I was like, see, this is why I'm going to make money right here. Look at my hands. And they, she'd just be like, oh, okay. But, you know, it was it was like, my own motivation was to just hit balls until I uh, could. I was hitting balls for at least six hours a day. And at the time, I didn't know enough about mechanics to where it could have screwed me up. But I would say now, if I was to hit a thousand balls a day, I'd probably get a little overthinky. Because you weren't working on swing mechanics. You're, like you said, you're yeah. just trying to hit a fade, draw, fade, yeah, draw. Yeah, then nothing at all. It was, just, it was just trying to you know, rip four irons and trying to see how high I could hit them. And then the cart boy would drive by and I'd see if I could hit it through, you know, hit it into the cart. And, you know, it was just always a different shot. It was always a new challenge. You know, it was always like, you know, you need to land all these five irons within a radius of that blue pole out there. And, and, and I would do it until I could do 10 in a row type thing. You know, it was always little competitions in my head, things like that, that definitely helped. Now it seems like when I do it, I almost work in more bad habits. It could be fatigue, could be getting older. I'm not really sure. Um, but uh, the years that I've played bad, I, I hit a lot of balls after the rounds and, and that never seemed to work. Now I'm just like, whatever, it's going to come or it's not. <laughs> like, I didn't really put in that much work before I almost won those first two events in the Bahamas. Um, but like a month before that, I just shot 62 and won this Pro-Am that a bunch of tour players were at. And, you know, my game was in great shape. I wish they could have, we just take so much time off on the top, time off on this web tour. It's it's hard to uh, now we're in a twenty week stretch, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. Now as I get older and dare I say jaded, all the the range balls can precipitate bad habits. But it's all about hitting in the center of the club and finding a shot that's repeatable. So the interesting thing is this period was totally different from how he got really good as a kid. 
Was there any secret to that change? Why did this shift? Well, it's surprisingly simple. The environment was different. The great practice facility wasn't an option when he was growing up. Yeah, as a kid, the the range just wasn't as good. And I kind of just did whatever my facilities uh, allowed. And then they were all just, you know, half munis in the south. So, you know, uh, Lake Spivey Country Club just south of Atlanta has a good range. So I would hit balls there. But um, and but when I was a kid, the range was only like 200 yards long. I mean, I remember hitting a lot of balls there, too. But, but yeah, it's just kind of ebbed and flowed between playing a lot. And uh, I would say the reason I, I, I played more then is because, you know, we were just walking as kids and that was didn't have anything else to do. And the hitting balls now... I need to, I need to increase that. But, uh, yeah, now basically I just, when I'm at home, I try to just play four eighteens a week and then get my chipping in. So the ways of practicing has always evolved and I never really, you know, now when people ask me, I say, I just play a lot and hit a lot of extra chips and shots on the course. But in college at that time, you know, when you're 18, 19 and you're basically a rubber band, I would just hit balls all day. So, uh, there's a million methods of doing it, but I think at the younger ages, Getting the muscle memory and hitting the balls is is really key. So Will excelled. He won nine times at the D2 level. He's a first-team All-American. He won the Alabama AM during this period and really did well for himself there. You know, the big fish, small pond type thing. Yeah, getting three wins in a row, you know, shooting in double digits, you know, winning by multiple shots. That was huge because, I mean, I still see, a de- you know, I see, you know, five or six of those guys competing on the web. So, you know, they all still give me respect from what I did in college. And being a first teamer at any level is, is neat. Um, I would compare a first teamer at a Division two level. It may be a you could maybe sneak a third team or an honorable mention in Division one. So um, it was cool to get the All-American plaque and all, and all that stuff. But yeah, like winning at the Division Two level, at least the last couple tournaments that I won was was a huge confidence boost. And then, um, yeah, my it just it always seemed to work out. Like when I first turned pro, you know, my first round as a pro, I shot thirty eight on the front and twenty nine on the back. And then it's just crazy. Like I've always had right when I think, you know, something weird's happening, then I, then, then I blow the doors off another event. So I've just been really lucky. Like last year, I only had one start on the web and made the cut because the ball jumped out of the ocean and made it on the number. <laughs> and uh, I've just had a lot of maybe good breaks or, or luck to keep my career kind of on a good trajectory. Right now, I'm obviously still, I'm on the web fighting a little bit, but uh yeah, I mean, it's a roller coaster, but I'm I'm in my 11th year, so I, you know, something obviously has gone right. From college, he made the jump to the Hooters tour as a brand new professional golfer, and he loved it. Some people say the transition from college golf, professional golf can be really difficult, and it can, there's no doubt. But for Will, that transition was not difficult. It was Hooters Tour, so, um, you know, I loved the Hooters Tour. Um, you know, the NGA Hooters Tour back in the day, you know, I think Hooters sponsored them for 25, 30, you know, 25 years at least. You know, I got to where I was winning out there, but, like, it, it was like playing in a Division Two event. I mean, it was it was awesome. And I, it was all because all the, you know, you got a bunch of 
country accents out there and, you know, good old boys that are, that got backers just like I did. And it, it felt like college, to be honest. I mean, the Hooters tour was, was amazing for me. And first place was 40 K when I first turned pro. Now on the swing thought tour, you can't even get eight, 10 grand. And that's first, you know, you used to be able to get 22,000 for second place on the Hooters tour, which is hell of a lot of money for a 22, 23 year old. My transition to the Hooters was great, but then from the Hooters to the web was nuts because then you got a lot more international players, a lot more cutthroat, a lot more jadedness. That transition was really hard. I was I was even accused of, like somebody said I moved my ball like a quarter inch to like get around a divot or something. Like it was something crazy in 2011. Some Australian guy I didn't even know said that I like, whatever, did something with my coin. And I was just, I just couldn't believe it. Like I just, I never, I've never cheated on the golf course in my whole life. Then I turned pro and I'm like leading my third web event in Mexico. Some guy accused me of, of doing something, but he did it kind of like, like kind of off the, off to the side. Like he didn't make a big deal out of it, but he had a rules official talk to me about it. So it was clearly like an infraction that he couldn't quite put his finger on but he was just kind of guessing that maybe I was up to something and I had never experienced that. You know, it was always camaraderie before. And then now all of a sudden I got some Australian guy saying that I'm acting sketchily on the course and that affected me deeply. And I, and I pretty much packed it in, even though I almost had my card locked up that year. Cause I had made like a quick 120,000. I was ninth in July on the web money list. And that messed me up so so much mentally that I just stopped playing in events because I just didn't even want to see anybody because I was so I was just so mad that people were out there, you know, doing that. And then uh, I didn't get through it very well. I know that. I mean, it was it was so shocking to me. So challenge. We have another rough patch. The journey is not a straight line. Will went through another lull here. I, I have PGATour.com pulled up looking at his career. So you can see from 2011 to 2013, he's on the web. And, you know, he had a lot of success in 2013, but he made 149,000 in 11, 75 and 12, and then 248 in 13. You know, he had some great success in the PGA Tour in, in 20, 2014, 2015, 2016, really doing well, making over 1.2 million in 2015. And, you know, he's had this, this really long career where, he, where he's done done well. And and the question is, what's the motivation? What has driven him to keep performing? Was it winning? Was it the competition? Was it money? Always money. Always money. Um, Because I didn't come from a ton. Uh, My dad's had uh, chronic back pain. So he he is not in a situation where uh, he can, you know, he he did a great job raising us, um, but now he's in a lot of back pain. And I can't can't do much. So I have to help out the folks a lot. And um, so it's always been, you know, kind of a uh, quantitative thing. Like I need, I need the, I need the money uh, just so I can help my family. So that, that's my main motivation now. So, uh, and I've been able to save a lot and, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, now it's, it's definitely just because I want mom and dad to live a comfortable lifestyle. So that's my main motivation. I mean, I want to live a comfortable lifestyle too, and I do. But as long as they're happy, you know, that's kind of what I want my golf to be able to provide. 
So he missed 11 straight cuts. Yes, 11 straight cuts at the end of 2012. And he had to grind. He had to figure out how is he going to make this work, you know, back up against the wall. This time is a little different than before. He headed to the island of St. Croix, where he had a free place to stay through his backer. I worked out with a guy that trains like friggin' super athletes. It eventually is the reason I had to have surgery on my right wrist because, you know, he's like, he used to pull out a deck of cards and he'd be like, a king is 10 push-ups, a queen is 10 push-ups, a jack is 10 push-ups, you know what I mean? And then a nine is obviously nine push-ups. So he'd pull out a deck of cards and throw the whole deck down and I'd have to freaking do all the push-ups. I was, I was working out outdoors with a trainer that trains triathletes in St. Croix for about 90 days from December through, because the web didn't used to start till like March or uh, till February. So I had, I went down there in like November, December, and I, for 90 days, trained like a complete psycho with this guy. You know, just, I was down to 135 pounds, but I averaged 317 off the tee that year. And, uh, so I just, I I worked out the hardest I ever have, you know, I ate clean. I basically just stopped all substances. You know, I didn't drink for those couple of months. I, um, so I went in, I went from 2012 to 2013, like people that were my friends that I'd started to kind of uh, not avoid, but just, I wasn't as chatty because I was just so down. I mean, I was drinking a lot and stuff in 2012 too, but, uh, I just, I turned into a completely different person and started working out and, and just changed my life completely. And I mean, the, the personality change that I went through and the physical change I went through, you know, is, is what did it. I remember I did a 30 day cleanse before I started the season in 13 and everybody was like, you're not even the same human being as you were at that last event last year. So it was just a big overhaul of my life that did it. I mean, you know, the, the island's so far away. Uh, I'm from a small town in Alabama, and I changed my cell phone number. I basically, I just, I cut off all connection to the outer world, and I was like, this is the only way I'm going to make this thing work. And uh, and it worked for a 25-year-old struggling professional golfer, but still has tons of promise. So I just kind of found a, a support group on a random island and everybody uplifted me and supported me and it became this huge success story. And then, uh, yeah. And then, then I got my card and kept it for four years. 2012 to 2013 winter. I'll never forget. It was very, very difficult. You know, it, it was painful. It was one of the most painful things I've ever gone through just cause the let, I don't have very big legs. And he put me through hell with the leg workouts. But I was able to maintain that for 10 months until some other crazy stuff happened in my life. And I stopped doing it. And I uh, haven't really worked out a ton since. But I think that short burst of 9 or 10 months of crushing the gym, you know, just, I don't know, put me in some good golf positions. Because I played great for 14 and 15 and 16. I made a lot of money. So, I mean, this, this story is a little crazy, right? Going to a small island, spending every day with the trainer, and then breaking through and getting your PGA Tour card the next season because of that, right? So, we have to dig in here and figure out what the heck he was doing on St. Croix. Like I said, I've been drinking a lot before. So, I, I would wake up at a ridiculous hour just because my adrenaline was pumping. 
just because your body's just like, where's the booze? So when I put down all the substances and I would wake up and just, you know, make oatmeal and, you know, just chug water and like go running on the beach. And then I'd go grab my buddy and uh, we'd walk 18. I'd go work out. And these, the island drives are, you know, a tedious 22 minute drive. So, you know, it was a lot of driving back and forth at 25 miles an hour on, you know, crappy roads. It, it took a lot of dedication, but I mean, I was asleep every night by probably 7.30 at the absolute um, latest. And then I, uh, it was, it was 36 holes a day, all walking on a very hilly course. It's a Robert Trent Sr. on that island. And um, I worked out with Kendall around midday every day and just ate as much clean food as I could and um, swam in the ocean every day. Let's see. The only only day, days I got off were Saturday and Sunday, um, but the, the Monday to Friday workouts were, were really intense. I mean, I had to been playing hundreds of holes a week. Well, he had me running backwards and sideways on treadmills, which is uh, something soccer guys do just to develop all the angles on the legs. You know, you want to have the balance from from every every direction. Um, so a lot of that, that, that's why I was 20 pounds underweight. But uh, let's see. I mean, yeah, it was everything. It was tons of core and kickboxing, um, just kicking bags just making sure that I was as loose as, as possible. And like I say, this guy wasn't a golf specific trainer, but a lot of, uh, a lot of jumping around and low to the ground stuff. Uh, but it was the kickboxing and, and, and the, the uh, range of motion stuff that really blew my mind, the range of motion, creating strength through the entire range of the golf swing, you know, whereas, you know, he just figured out where I lacked strength and, uh, I mean, these workouts were so intense. I mean, at one point I was doing pull-ups with a 25 pound vest on like the, the day I shot 59 in 2013, I did 440 push-ups and 110 pull-ups, um, before the round, you know, that was just where I was at. So he was prepped and he was firing on all cylinders for that 2013 season. And think about this. He had just missed the last 11 cuts in 2012. I had conditional, I had conditional status and. I played Bogota. That was the first event that I got in because I didn't get in Panama. And the next event was in Chile and it was my last opportunity. So like if I didn't make the cut in Chile, then I was going to be back to Monday qualifying. But I know I'd been working out really hard and, and I went out and finished 12th in Chile. And so that shuffled me in. And then I went to Midland, Texas and finished 29th, doubling the last hole. Because uh, of a crazy lost ball, like West Texas golf is nuts. So I should have finished like 16th there, but ended up not. But I was making cuts. I was shuffled back in. I had an opportunity. I knew I was striping the ball. And then I won the next tournament. So I won like the fourth, fifth tournament of the year, Had only getting having only gotten three of them. So, yeah, I mean, once I won that event, it was stratosphere. And I didn't miss a cut for, you know, 17 events after that. You know, I mean, on Saturday, I had 197 to a back left pin and I hold a seven iron, you know, like 
Whereas before, you know, I'm trying to probably, you know, hold a six iron or maybe a five iron the year before just because I was noodle armed. So uh, I just, it was just like my time. I swear it was my time. I, I, I'd, I'd just done good stuff. I, I wish... I wish I had that attitude, like, or, or the resources, because at the time, you know, when you're, when you're, I'm about to be 33, at 25, people really, really, really want to help you. You know, if you're an aspiring golfer and you're 25, they're like, I mean, even when it comes to sponsors or clubs and all that, like, you know, pro-ams, you know, people just want to help somebody that's really young. I'm not saying they would now, but then I was just able to find this great support system and my mental state totally changed. And my physical did as well. So um, it just it just fell into the slot because I was able to support the angle a little bit better because I was stronger. And then a couple of years ago, I tried to do it again leading up to my um, medical starts on the PGA Tour, but it it just didn't it didn't take like it did before for whatever reason. So I'm, I'm sure glad it worked then because you know it, it'll allow me to call myself a former tour player no matter what happens. It was just like the planets aligned for me though. But I mean, I had a lot of success on the mini tours. So when I didn't have success on the web, you know, that that was a shock to me. So uh, I just worked my way into it. What I love about this story is there's no one magic bullet, right? It changes, it ebbs and it flows and it evolves. And this 2013 breakout that we talked about, this changed, right? 2015, he had an even better year and made a ton of money on the PGA Tour but it looked totally different. But then in 15, you know, I was, I'm not saying I was a drunk, but I was, I, you know, I like to have my four to six and uh, a night. Uh, I'm just a Corona guy. And, and I, I'm had 11 top 25s and uh, 16 starts on the big tour and, t- and kept my card. So like, you know, then I was like, wow, I can have my cake and eat it. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, you're saying, you're saying I don't have to work as hard and we can just grill steaks and drink beer and make 100K a week? That's that's a great deal. So that's what's been odd about my career is that I've gone through like spells where I'm doing, you know, triathlete workouts and I'm in physical peak condition. And then I've gone through spells where I'm not lazy, but it just clicked and I didn't have to think about it at all. It's the times where I haven't had to think about it where I did good. Now now I'm, I'm getting back to that, um, but I just don't. I don't smush my irons like I did. If you were to talk to me after I finished fourth in the first two web events this year, my attitude about my game would obviously have been a little bit better. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I'm not in a terrible position on the web by any means, but I'm, I'm stepping back right now to take two weeks off to, to get it dialed in. So the question here for all of us listening is what stays the same? Since we've heard a lot about the change, before we make any assumptions, let's hear from... Will himself, what does he think has stayed the same? My um, ability to look at it from a big picture standpoint, and you know, everybody's like, I, I, what I what I always found interesting, you know, kids that come out of UCLA or Duke or something, they're like, I'm not going to be on this web tour, and this is like after one week or maybe even before the turn the year started. They're like, man, I can you believe these guys that just stay on this tour for like years and years and years, and they're like, I'm out here to win. Uh, you know, well, that, that's what I want to do. I'm here to win. I'm not here to just compete. And then 10 weeks later, they haven't made a cut. And I'm like, how's that winning going? You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, like I aim low and that sounds negative. And my current girl, my, my girlfriend now, um, is like, uh, she, she's like, she mistook it for negativity. 
I'm like, babe, I'm just trying to make the cut and then give it a run on the weekend. That's all you can do. You know, I've had great finishes making the cut by a shot. So, you know, like most people don't understand that, you know, you don't have to be up at the top all the time. You know, you just, you have your good weeks and you just know that they're going to come and you just try to keep your head up and, uh, and all that. I look at it as, as a big picture. Like when it comes down to it, like if I look at my career, I'll go, this is good stuff. But if you look at my last five events, you go, this is bad stuff. But that's not what I focus on. I focus on the fact that I look at my, my money totals and the fact that I own a house and, you know, I got a car, you know, you know, I got food on the plate. It's, I've been able to just definitely see it for what it is and, and not, um, and, and realize how special it is. You know, I mean, like, you know, my, my girlfriend's at work right now and she doesn't want to be there and, you know, she wants to be hanging out with me or practicing. And, and I just realize how lucky I am. And, uh, and I, and I've always just tried to let the success come to me instead of being some bulldog or NBA NFL player. Like, Oh, we're about to go bust these heads out here. You know, it was more of just like, try to keep an even keel, you know, just, if if you get in a good position on the back nine on Sunday, awesome. I mean, if you don't, that's okay too. We'll have a good weekend and, uh, you know, aim low. And then when you achieve high, you're even more pumped. My buddy Lonto Griffin, who's doing so well right now, he said that that really helped him a few weeks ago. And when he, he won that tournament, he said, he was just like, honestly, man, I was so, so excited to just be in contention that you know, I was I was cool with no matter what the result was, and and that's a lot better than being like we got to get this win. I even have a backer that tent like is like an uncle to me, uncle to me that you know I'm like hey man you know I'm not playing worth the crap right now. I mean this is a conversation we had a few weeks ago. I was just like just can I get some expense money? And not that I'm running out of money, but I don't want to lose the money that I earned. Um, I'd like to be able to continue to like develop some real estate stuff and you know have something to lean back on which uh, I'm trying to do right now if you want to buy a house in Jupiter. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Tim is like, I got you, you know, like even if, even if the uh, quote shit were to hit the fan, I, um, I still have people that support me and want to back me. So if I'm playing golf day to day and I don't have to answer to somebody, that's pretty darn good to me. And uh, you know, that's probably why I'm, uh, I, I haven't been married <laughs> uh, because, you know, most people want, I had a feeling if I would have gotten married, she wanted to, would have wanted like a 6,000 square foot house and a couple kids already, you know, where, so I've just been able to kind of keep it simplistic. I like living below my means, you know, I don't mind going camping or just driving around in the mountains and hiking and stuff for a few days instead of like going to a TPC and hitting a thousand balls. Like I just, I just try to really relish and appreciate the opportunities that I get to travel the world for basically free and uh, get paid for it and not have to go for the through the the day-to-day grind I mean I see my mom was the women's coach at UAB for 17 years and she was let go a year ago and um, you know uh, I just saw how much she went through and how, how frustrating that was since she's gotten a, a better job and she she's doing great but you know what I mean like the work world is stressful like I know I know having a real job is really stressful so I'd like to have this, I know it's a real job, but I, I like to call it a fake job too. You know, I'd like to be able to ride this thing out as long as I can. So the big picture still to me is, is quite clear and, and, and happy. Let's end with the fun stuff here. Let's talk golf swing. 
Will is on the web.com right now. And I talked to him during a few weeks off when he was getting ready to dial in his game to get back out there and crush it. Here's what he's working on. Well, I just gotten underneath it. I developed some, developed some bad habits. Um, sometimes it takes me a little bit longer than others to figure that out. I got a new coach, Wayne DeFrancisco, who's a great, great coach, great player um, out of Baltimore. Like I said, I've had him for a year. And uh, so I'll work with him a little bit, work on my arm leaner, uh, putter, and just try to get back to those first two weeks. I mean, it's uh, my swing. I've been underneath it on the way down. I, You know, at, at one point I was taking it too far outside. Um, I have a pretty violent transition, so it causes the club to kick and lay down a little too much uh, on the way down. So uh, I'm underneath it and heal it. Now I'm working the club to be back more out in front of me. So I have to, I have to really work on that, that rotation from the back because I get too deep. Um, I assume, you know what most of these terms mean? Yeah. 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 You'd have to be a pretty avid golfer to understand what the heck I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I was, uh, I stood up to the ball square and I just pressed go. And it felt like I just turned and turned. And now I have an open stance, which I did, which I started that year. I had a good season in 15. And, um, yeah, it's just the damnedest thing. I uh, Now I, I think about it a lot more, which, you know, I mean, last year I almost got my card. And, and the only reason I didn't was because of my putting. So I don't mind the slightly more um, mechanical thoughts that, that I have. But uh, this past week, I got a lot closer. I was able to band-aid it, make a cut, not embarrass myself too much. And by that, I mean basically just embarrass myself to myself. I mean, I'm sure other people are looking at it like, oh, my God, he played like crap on Saturday. But, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, my buddy Lonto Griffin, who's now, you know, got his tour card locked up, shot 81 in the second round in Panama. You know, you just you just take it in stride. And uh, but... I don't want to be as mechanical thinking as I am, but I've pretty much, I've tried so much stuff over the last few years to get back to that superior iron game that I had. So yeah, I'm just working hard to try to get that rolling again. Like I'm driving it fine. I'm hitting the ball good, fairly good off the tee, but the uh, the bullet iron shots don't seem to be uh, happening. So I'm going to really work on uh, covering the ball and uh, getting the club back out in front of me right now. After my surgery, when I came back, I developed some really bad habits and also the common or the, uh, the, the modern equipment has changed a ton. And I know that sounds like a golfer, a golfer making an excuse, but back in the day when I, or when I first turned pro, you could make a driver four degrees flat and four degrees open. Now that's not an option. You, you, you got to be Brooks Kepka, You got to be strong as an ox and it's got to be square and it can be a little upright. And because their arms are a lot higher through the ball. Now my hands are very low, more Hogan-esque. Not that I'm a stripe show like Hogan, but like, I've gone through periods where I was and they, they've developed this new technology of, you know, putting the adjustability in the hands of the consumer as opposed to the pro. Whereas before we could do anything we wanted to, to the specs on a, on a driver or a three wood. Now it's kind of like, all right, bro, this is the only ones we have available to you. Good luck. 
So the adjustability for the pros has gone way down and me being a more natural old school player that has directly hurt my ability to be a shot maker. I was on the range at Pebble Beach in 15 and I literally just started it that week. <laughs> it was wild. Um, I was standing on the range and I felt like it was an easy way to connect my left arm and just get behind it and then turn from there. Just because that kind of my hips have a tendency to over rotate and get too deep and it's hard to get the arms and everything in sync coming down. So by opening it, it restricts my hip turn on the way back. So the club stays more out in front of me. But then, you know, if I take it too inside from there, then I'm then I'm even more behind. So you got to have that marriage between the openness and not dropping it too deep or inside. So uh, right now I'm working on getting it back out in front of me. But we're in, in 13. I wish there were some videos of me on 13. Like if we would have had Kevin Prize on the web.com tour, then, you know, posting videos and um, interviews and, and, and stuff like that back then, if social media was as popping as it was then, I, I chicken winged my left arm at a dress. My left arm wasn't even touching my body. Now it's like super glued to my body all the way down to my elbow. Then I used to point my left elbow at the target. And it's just the craziest setup you've ever seen. And I was square then. And that was the way I got my card. And then all of a sudden when I got my card, I just opened up and started doing it a completely different way. And that worked too. Yeah. So now I've played well square and open. So it's just kind of like my body, I just got to kind of feel, feel out where my body is. And uh, that can be a little little tough. You know, I think a golf swing is kind of like a fingerprint or at least the way you drill, deliver the club is. You know, I've always, my hips have always worked the same, but my old, upper body wasn't always synced up with the lower body. Like, like my, I never humped the ball really where that's what a lot of pre people's issue is. You know, but I would say that like Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka, they, they kind of hump the ball a little bit. You know what I mean? Like they're up on their toes and that's the reason those upright square drivers work for those guys. I find that move a lot more difficult. Like if, if you, my hands are as low as like Sergio's through the ball. So yeah, it's, uh, it's all about sinking your upper body and lower. And the reason I did the opening was because I found that sinking to work a little bit better. So, yeah, I mean, literally, it was just standing on the range, you know, try pointing this left toe more towards the target or try to open up your left hip a little bit more or try to put more of your weight on your back foot. I basically just try to go through the hundreds of different feels and setups until something feels good. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to hit a little hold cut or, or whatever by uh, holding the angle a little bit longer. But the way golf is, is you hold the angle a little bit longer for a little while and then that turns into, you know, flailing, you know, your left elbows flailing and you're just hitting wipes with the heel. And then it, then it turns into a hook because you overcorrect. And uh, I would just say that it's good to just try to learn what your body does and how your body can sync up. And, you know, the way you can Tom Watson it and just kind of turn around your spine, you know, and you got to fiddle with your with your posture and uh knee bend but i think where you place your weight's a huge thing too so that address hey this was so much fun right i enjoyed this interview thank you so much man for coming on the podcast i appreciate it thank you to our guest will wilcox 
He's on Twitter, Instagram. Give him a follow. And you know what would be really, really, really good? I know I ask this all the time, but send him a message. Leave a comment saying, thanks for sharing your story. You know, I learned so much. That would be huge. Make sure to follow along. If you want to catch every episode of this podcast, become a Golf Science Lab Insider. We have a, a newsletter, a bunch of different things going on, golfsciencelab.com slash insider. Get access to everything first. This episode was hosted and written by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Publish Productions. 